Welcome to the Business Maestro with Kerry Wood, talking all things development, growth, team harmony, and getting the best for you out of your business. Every week, Kerry auditions industry leaders, business owners, and individuals who have increased the tempo on their business growth. For a direct line to Kerry, join the Business Ensemble on Facebook. Here's the thing. Kerry is straight up and straight down the middle. There may be some politically incorrect stuff coming your way. If you're into the no-bullshit type of learning, then this podcast is for you. Hey, g'day out there. It's Kerry Wood here, the business maestro. This is our podcast, and it is an exciting, exciting podcast today. Um, we've got New Zealand, maybe Australia's our finest business broker, uh, to talk to us uh, about you know, turning your asset into cash, about getting, getting the thing you work hardest at your business uh, up and running, and it's, it's exciting to have this conversation. So in the next, you know, uh, 27, 30 minutes, you know, there might be some uh, some politi- politically incorrect stuff. There might be some stuff that you find a bit pointy. If you do, well, maybe better you go and listen to someone else's podcast because, you know, we tend to run a, you know, a, a pretty uh, crap-free environment at the Auckland Centre of Business Excellence. So we're going to introduce you now to um, one of New Zealand, Australia's finest business brokers, a guy that's been doing this for a number of years who I met, I'd say, seven or eight years ago uh, in a consulting and, uh, and coaching environment. Um, and uh, from ABC Business Brokers, uh, Peter, what, Peter Nola, welcome on board. It's good to have you here. Cheers, Kerry. Good to be here. Yeah, so Peter, I've just I heard a heard a rumor that you go out at, at night or on the weekends with guns and shoot things or something or other. Is is that is that standard business broker stuff? How does that all work? Yeah, I don't know if it's standard business broker stuff, but uh, yeah, I come from a, a background of uh, people who like the land, so I do go out hunting, and um, I have been known to camp out in the hills and chase deer and trout and various other bits and pieces uh, quite regularly. I love it out there, actually. It's great. Oh, great. So it's nothing nothing like the hunting games. You don't take out business owners or something <laughs> and hunt them around the hills or anything, do you? It's all, it's all, all animals you hunt. Well, I'd probably like to chase the odd accountant around the hill, but other than that, no, fine. Yeah, you're only allowed to hunt accountants on any day ending in AY, just as a, just as the feedback. So, Peter, you've been a business broker actually for a while now. So, tell me, what got you into it, and, and what do you think makes you good at it? Because apparently you are. Um, and you know, why business broking, and how long? And tell, give us a bit of history about yourself, mate. Sure. So I've been a business broker for 15 plus years. Uh, I got into it. I sold a business, I got, or my own business. I got into it because I um, uh, thought that I could do a better job than, than the guy that sold my business for me. Uh, turns out I am pretty good at it. I've uh, won a number of awards here at ABC. I've been their top guy, I think, five or six times over that period. So uh, I think what makes me successful is that I understand both sides of it. I've been a business owner. Uh, and I've sold a business through a broker, so I can I, I know what the pain feels like. Uh, I've purchased businesses as well, uh, um, and I just like to get a good result for the clients. There's nothing better than a client walking away with a big bunch of cash, and uh, to do that, they've got to have a good business broker and a well-set-up business. Okay, well done you, um, and congratulations. Yeah, I, I obviously see the awards that come out, and, and you have done really well, and I have, you know, I've had a couple of clients deal with you and they, they all speak well of the experience. So, um, question I for you. I think what, so. Well, as you do. What's, um, what's been the, uh, the, your experience of your part of the industry over COVID, did it, did, over the lockdown period, did it, did it just stop completely or were you able to manage 5% or 20% or what was, this, what was the go? 
No, we pretty much stopped completely. So we had a number of uh, deals under contract or businesses under contract. Um, some of them went through, some of them didn't, uh, but most of the owners put the sale on hold. Uh, they just didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what was coming. Buyers were exactly the same. Um, they had no idea what things would look like post COVID. So um, everything really went on hold for probably two months, I think. Okay, and you probably couldn't go hunting like those two down, those two people who went missing, who weren't prosecuted, but we won't go there. <laughs> no, I was, wasn't allowed out of the house. It was very annoying. <laughs> yeah, we can't talk about your wife and your domestic situation, Peter. So <laughs> so thanks for that, Peter. So right now, right now, it's it's about the 1st of, of August, at well, end of July, 1st of August. Is now the right time, you know, bearing in mind where we're coming through, is now the right time to be looking at, at, at selling your business? Is it a time now? How should we, you know, wh what about right now? Traditionally, the July to Christmas period is the best time to sell a business anyway, so your accounts are done and um, there's that psychological target of, of being out before Christmas. Uh, buyers are the same, they like to be in before Christmas, but in terms of, of the current um, situation that we find ourselves in with COVID, um, it's quite interesting. Banks have got a lot of money uh, and they're quite keen to give it away. We've got expats coming back into the country. Those expats uh, are generally well cashed up and um, they're not looking for corporate jobs. They're, they're looking to buy businesses uh, and their sweet spot is, is businesses making somewhere between maybe three and 500,000. Um, so those businesses, are their prices are holding up well and we're getting good, um, good interest in them. So I think, yes, I think it's probably a good time to sell. Um, there's lots of buyers there and to be fair, we probably don't have as much stock as we'd like to have. So yeah, it's a, it's a seller's market. So banks are giving us plenty of money. We've got all these people coming in from expats who are after quarantine looking to get in. They don't want jobs. They're looking for mm. businesses. You said three to five hundred k. You know something. Uh, you know profit that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah thanks. Thanks, Peter. Um. So, what are the biggest mistakes that you know? If we if we've got someone listening who's looking to sell their business, what are the biggest mistakes that they will make when they you know that they could get over now uh, when they, before they talk to a business broker? Biggest, biggest mistakes before they sell their business of preparation or the lack of preparation. Too many business owners, and it feels like they wake up on Monday morning and they decide to put the business on the market on Tuesday. And by doing that, they're just, they're just leaving so much cash on the table. They, they need to do preparation. We're, when we sell a business, the buyer is looking for future maintainable earnings and there's a there's a number of simple things that business owners can do that they just simply don't do so they don't get full value for their business so preparation absolutely the key future maintainable earnings i bet you've been waiting a while to use that phrase and uh, hey future main i'm, I'm gonna run with that one I'll, it's I'll, not I might bad use is it, it. not no, bad like that. You, you can use it that's fine thank you for that so what does it mean what does future maintainable earnings mean so effectively if I buy your business and do what you do, my expectation should be I get what you got. Uh, that's terrible English, but you get the message behind it. Uh, and too many businesses aren't set up for that to happen. Um, and I can list a number of things. And to give you one example, it's too much is invested in the business owner. So the business owner is, is almost part of the business and they the business won't function as well without not a owner, but without that owner. Um, and the mistake they made is not 
putting systems in place uh, and and getting that goodwill, if you like, out of the owner and into the business and into the staff and into the systems. Systems. Thanks for that, Peter. So let's just let's just take that business systems. I'm going to use a really high-powered consulting phrase here: standard operating procedures (SOPs). So if you're looking to sell your business and get maximum dollars, walk, take your 10-year your, your investment of yourself into this thing that you call your business. You want to walk out of it with cash. You're telling me that the more standard operating procedures, the more documents you have, the more processes you have, the more stuff that you, that other people can read, listen to, or watch that you don't have to do is, is beneficial. Oh, hell yeah. I, look, the best example you can give is McDonald's. You know, you've got pimply-faced, pubescent children running a multi-million dollar burger chain, and they do that because of systems. So uh, someone can leave, someone comes in, they just slot straight into that system. It's easy to train, it's easy to understand, and the business keeps functioning. And in a nutshell, that's how, in a perfect world for a business broker, that's how every business that I sell, I would love them to be, because I would get them the best price. It's as simple as that, if that was the case. Okay. Um, so processes and all that are important and all that sort of thing. What's the most important thing, Peter? Revenue, top line, or profit on the bottom line? Oh, profit, no no question about it. Definitely bottom line. Oh, hang on, hang on. No, no, you, you might be talking bullshit. There. Sorry, you might be Man, talking untruth. I'm a, sale, I'm a salesman. salesman, I never talk yeah. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how can you say that when a company such as Zero, who only made profit, I think, last year and worth, you know, $500 trillion billion, you know, I work with a lot of business owners and they say, oh, you know, we're a $1 million business, we're a $2 million business, we're a $25 million business. You look at the bottom line and they, they're making, you know, four percent or something on the bottom line but you're saying no no it's the bottom line it's a profit when you're trying to sell the business well there's a big difference between selling a an importing business or or a manufacturing business with say five or ten million dollars revenue to a public company with 500 million dollars revenue and you can't apply the same valuation methodologies to both those businesses it's the same as applying the same valuation methodology to a residential house or uh, a commercial building or factory that I mean they're related but the methodology is completely different okay all right so styles of business industries of business if uh, you were looking today you know you're coming out of a corporate background uh, or you're coming back to New Zealand uh, you know and you've got a little bit of cash um, you know there's construction there's tourism which you wouldn't want to be getting into right now or maybe you would um, there's uh, manufacturing there's retail you know maybe maybe give us a rating the top two or three areas of opportunity you see in New Zealand at the moment anything that makes or sells stuff is always well sought after so an importer that brings in a, a widget a manufacturer that makes a widget uh, those are the sort of things that people like or the businesses people like and I my feeling is it's because it's easy to understand. If you have a product, you, you make it, you put a markup on it and sell it, or you import it, put a markup on it and sell it. And it's, it's a, fundamentally, they're a simple business model. Uh, when you start getting into businesses that are charging for time um, or supplying services, uh, it, it becomes a lot more complicated for a buyer to understand. So from simplicity point of view, if you've got a product uh, or a very simple service, um, then then those are the most sought after businesses. 
And obviously with services and people selling time, you're for the, in, in, in the small to medium end of the market, you're usually relying on the owner having industry knowledge or knowledge of what's going on so they can overview the quality, so they can overview the, um, you know, the, the performance of the business in, 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 in what it actually does. Would that be true? Yeah, that's that's true. And once you start getting into that specialist knowledge, and and in a in a simple term, that would be a mechanics workshop where you have to be a mechanic to run the workshop. That narrow simply narrows your buyer pool because not everybody has that specialist knowledge. So we then go back to what I said at the beginning, standard operating procedures to use your term, systems, everything else, in a way to make that business attractive for someone who doesn't have those specific skills. And I think, and I'm digressing slightly, but another important point is that if you look at the buyer of today, the buyer of today is, is of a different generation to the majority of the sellers. So vendors tend to come from that um, baby boomer or, or, or soon after, and, and their values were, were always hard work. And they saw their business as part of themselves, you know, and they have this silly attitude. Well, I'm going to do it because no other bugger can do it as good as me and, and don't think I'm going to pay someone to do it when I can do it. So they immerse themselves completely in the business. They spend 50, 60 hours living in it, working in it, and it becomes part of them. A buyer comes along and we're dealing with people from a different generation. Now that generation values um, time, they value work-life balance, all those sort of things. So they look at that business and they go, well, even if I've got the skills, I don't want to spend 60 hours a week working in a business. I don't care if it's earning half a million dollars because I'm never going to be able to spend it. So they're looking at, at a business that will give them that work-life balance that will also give them the income. They are prepared to pay a little more for that. But there's the opportunity for that that boomer that we talked about to systemize his business, uh, to, to make the business attractive by reducing its reliance on him, and therefore he opens his business up to a much larger market or a much larger range of buyers. Sorry, I digressed a little bit. No, no, thank you very much, David. I actually like, would like to take that on board about the buyers of today, the, the generational change. If you think about you and I, Peter, you know, young, attractive athletic that you and I that was a description of you and I by yeah, the way, yeah absolutely yep. I know yep. but the new the, the the people now coming into the market uh, as you say um do you find there's a generational shift in attitude and it's 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 it's, it's actually impacting the buying decisions and the businesses they're buying oh ab absolutely so uh typically and I'll and I'll give you a, a very clear example so I had a business I was marketing probably middle of last year, uh, great business, making a lot of money, um, but the owner was in there 60 hours a week. I had a queue of people that wanted to buy it. They didn't, and every time the answer was, well, I don't want to spend that much time working in it, and I don't know enough about the business to be able to go in, buy it, and systemize it. So if if that guy came back to me in a year's time and he, and, and he was suddenly working 30 hours and it was systemized, I'd buy it and I'd probably pay more for it then than I would today. So um, we did sell the business in the end. We, we found someone who was brave enough to step up. But uh, the point was that it took a whole lot longer and probably didn't get as much value as we could have got. So that reiterates what you said. That is you know, the term run the business 
under management means you can actually have the owner step out of the business and the business carries on. So the owner is doing what owners should be. That is managing the business, growing the business, building the rapports, watching the systems and and actually getting the benefit from their investment. If that is, do you agree? Yeah, no, I do. Um, You know, I'll get I'll get owners saying, oh, you know, um, mine's a managed business, but I just choose to be the manager. And you go, well, hang on a minute. It's if you're working in it 60 hours a week, it's not a managed business. It can't be. So I ask the question and, and it's a simple question. Go away for four weeks. Can you do that tomorrow? And what happens to your business? How many phone calls do you get? And when you get back in four weeks' time, what does the business look like? Is revenue halved? Is the business still there? Do you come back to a parking lot? I don't know. Um, you know, so, and, and business owners, they don't get that. Oh, no, I can't take more than a week off, you know, ever. Well, you know, how are you going to sell that business if you can't take a week off, you know, a week off ever? It doesn't work. It's quite interesting. In, in my world, working with business owners, um, I find that uh, it, when you say, oh, you know, want, want to put in place some, some management reports, they all, they all think, ooh, corporate BS, you know, management reports. <laughs> and you can actually, you can actually feel the, um, you know, the tension. They'll go, no, 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 what you want is you want to, once a week, get three numbers, text to you, email to you, sent by smoke signals to you. And you look at those three numbers and you know from those three numbers what's happening. And the numbers don't actually have to be revenue and profit. They can be, uh, just using an example, number of customers that walked in the front door or number of invoices generated or number of trucks that went past the gate. You know that if 20 people walked in the front door and 50 invoices were generated and six trucks went past the front gate, this is the business. You know, you know what I mean? Now, I try and get all my clients down to having, actually I have to say five numbers, that they report on and they're just a number and the number means something because it comes from something which has come from something and of course then when you look at the numbers you see one um just using that silly one number of people that came in the front door six what the heck's going on so you make as, as the owner or manager of the business the owner removed when you when you make the phone call they go oh well there was a hurricane so the doors were closed <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah, that, that's a premise that we tend to work on is three to five numbers, just the number, no no words around them. If you see these five numbers, you should be able to judge straight away that what a great week, what an average week, or actually we need to uh, be involved in this or, or be you know move a different way. Um, I'll just introduce you a bit of, bit of music, Peter. The um, You would have heard this before. Most people who go into business end up with a job just over broke. Have you heard that before? Yes, I have. Yeah, you're just yeah. over broken dumb. And and the and the person who goes into business, most of them go into business to sing the um the Frank Sinatra song, I I did it my way. Um, you know, and then they present they they, they, they progress down the track and they get to the um to the James Bond uh, theme, Nobody Does It Better. That when they've got like six or eight staff and they won't let any staff do anything because nobody does it better than me. I don't know what the third song is, but it's actually the third song we want them singing here, isn't it, where they're out of the way um, I've got a client at the moment, I, I won't mention who, now he's 70, uh, run, uh, still working in the business, and at the moment he's the forklift driver in the business. Well, he can be the forklift driver in the business if he has a million, well not a million, if he has a number of systems and a number of processes in place to allow the rest of the business to run right, then he can be the forklift driver. It's, it's no big deal. I'll come along. I'll sell his business. The guy that buys it will employ a forklift driver. Job and exact, done. And, and exactly what you're saying is exactly perfect. it. He, we, we, in two yeah. years, we've got him out of, the, out of the GM's chair 
out of the out of the out of the systems, out of the pricing, out of the quotes, out of the sales, and he he he, he actually I have to say retired for about two months, but his wife sent him back to work. <laughs> Quite common that actually. So he went back, and there was nothing for him to do because he, uh, the GM told him to um, go elsewhere. And the company was growing and is doing very well. So he said, well, what can I do? So they said, well, you've got a forklift license. Drive the forklift. So it's the, I'll, just, I'll, I'll share the story. Three or, or Two or three weeks ago, or five or six weeks ago, after lockdown, they had two new staff members start who did not know that the forklift driver owned the company. <laughs> By the way, makes Smoko really interesting, eh? Yeah, it would do, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, you're in this you're in this in this warehouse manufacturing plant and they're sitting there moaning, whinging and bitching about this, this, this and this and this and this and this. And then they see the GM comes up and he has a conversation, just just an in a not a not a management conversation, just a conversation with this forklift driver. And and apparently one of the new guys turned around and said, Oh well, you're just one of his bloody favourites. You've be, probably been here a lot while and the only way well actually I have been here a while. But never, um, to my knowledge, I don't think those people know that he owns the business still because it's, it's just not apparent. Uh, on a Thursday night at 5.30, every second Thursday, uh, we have a management meeting. And the general manager and the accountant and the owner and I sit down and we talk about the business. And the owner, really, I don't think has got a lot of interest. Uh, <laughs> thank you, but, but But that's, you know... It's a great story and it's twofold. It means that as a business owner, you can have the business that you want. So if you want to turn up and do something for three days a week, you can. You can make good money out of it. It's saleable when you decide to sell. Uh, but, but again, you know, he's, he's got it right. Too many business owners make the mistake of saying, well, I'll do that when the time comes, but they might get hit by a bus tomorrow. Now, what happens to their, they get hit by a bus, God forbid, what happens to their business? So their wife steps up and goes, well, I've got this business, but you know, it comes to me and I go, well, I can sell it, but I can sell it for a fraction of the value because you didn't do all these things when you had the chance. And business owners have to have, to have an eye on the future and they do, in terms of running their business, but they don't think in terms of how to construct that business. So, so if if they approach it now when they're enthusiastic, um, when they're driven and they want to succeed, and if they set the business up for the end, whenever that end comes, it doesn't mean you can set it up for sale and make it run perfectly. Doesn't mean you have to sell it. It just means you have a really good business sitting there for when the time comes to sell. And you're making money, and it's easy, easier. That's thank, thanks for that, Peter. Interesting, you would say that. Um, I've got probably 25% of my business owners that I work with are over the age of 50. You and I, just being in our early 20s, wouldn't wouldn't recognise. Sure, don't that. know what it looks like. Exactly. Yep. Yep. But they're over 50, and it's a really salient and challenging and bloody hard discussion when you say to them, "What's going to happen? You're over 50. Your chances of a major medical incident in the next." 15 years is 45%. And then there's, this is what happens. You go, your chance of a major medical incident in the next 15 years is 45%. That's what happens. They look at you and you go, well, it's a fact. You're going to have a heart attack, a stroke, a car accident, a bike accident. You're going to, you're going to get cancer. Your wife's going to, you know, something's going to happen. The wife's going to hit you. There's going to be something go wrong. When you walk out of this business, it's a multi-million dollar business, you could two, three, five, twenty million dollar business, and you are the man. When you leave and the wife tries to sell it, you've been working here twenty-five years and I've got and, and you're gonna get 
you're going to call Peter Nolan, he's going to go, the business is worth $300,000. And you're going to go, no, 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 the business turns out because there's no systems. Is that something you experience in, in what you do, that, that exact scenario, Peter? Yeah, I, I do exactly that, actually. Um, and it's more common than what you think. And, and again, the problem lies with people not preparing when they have enthusiasm. You know, when they've decided to sell, when they've had enough, they've decided to sell they've had enough they, they they don't want to do it so they have to they have to get that prep work done while they still have that enthusiasm and that drive um and i guess can get the benefit from it i know we've, we've actually gone over the same thing 600 times preparation okay. preparation preparation but the reason i've actually kept going back to it is because in my world and i know in your world it's the same song sheet over and over again you know um and what you just said is very salient Prepare it for sale while you have enthusiasm. Prepare it for sale because you don't have to sell it. It's a, and as an example, different world, same thing. You don't, you, when you're living in a house, your little your family home, you, you shouldn't just sell it after 30 years when you want to, sorry, you shouldn't just paint it after 30 years when you want to sell it. Does that make sense? Mm. You know, during that 30 year period, you should do the maintenance, you should keep it painted, you should make sure the dry, you should paint, you You know, do, and a business is a lot like that. You've got to continually um, do stuff. Um, Peter, last thing I've got before I sort of wind this up, how important, how important is all this technology, not only systems technology, but all this social media bullshit stuff, excuse me, um, and, and you know, social media, there's Twitter and there's, um, there's Faceache and there's um, Snapbox and there's, um, uh, what do you call it, and Tinder and all that. How important is it that your business is like right into that sort of thing? And you, because people who are older than us, you know, I talk to people, business owners. They go, no, no, no. We have a website, and you look at their website, and it was, and it was, you know, it was done by their their their, their nephew who was at university studying biology, and the, you talk to them about Facebook or brand presence and that sort of thing, and they go, oh no, no, we don't do that. How important is that sort of thing? Um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure Tinder's going to work for most of the businesses I do, but point taken. Look, it's 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 not a standalone thing. It's it's an end. So you you systemise your business, and you have a good website, and you get that website working properly with good SEO. That's linked into good social media. So that becomes an end. How do you succeed on social media? You pick a strategy and you apply that strategy to social media. If you look at the way we promote our businesses now, um, 10 years ago, you put an ad in the Herald. Um, on Monday morning, you spend four hours uh, dealing with phone calls and, and, and that, was, that was your promotion. Um, but the people that we're looking at, and we touched on it, that younger generation of, of buyers coming through, they're not reading, oh, the old Herald's going to get a bit upset, but they're not looking at the Herald. They're looking at social media. They're looking at websites. They're checking you out, your business out on their phone. So it's all very well having a website, but if that website isn't optimized to work on a phone and it looks awful, they're going to move on to the next one. So not so much from selling the business because that that's what we do and we take care of that, but from you presenting a quality business, you, you have to have all those things covered. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to pour millions of bucks into it, but it has to be, social media has to be part of your strategy, like a good website in the way that you used to do a catalog, in the way that you used to do a half a page in, in a magazine, advertising, whatever, uh, the same process applies, but it applies digitally. 
Thanks for that, Peter. Can I can I just add for that add to that? I see social media and all of that sort of stuff, the website, LinkedIn, Facebook, Snapchat, all that as what I, in my little world, I, I, I term it reputational collateral. Let me explain. Very recently, I just employed an, an, a new um, marketing assistant and um, they applied for the role and I, I interviewed them. But then I got the, um, the other lady who works for me to investigate her online. So we went to, and, and this wasn't stalking, or I, I don't want to think anything, anything inappropriate or anything, but like, you know, so if I was looking to buy a business, uh, Peter Nola Plastering, for example, um, you know, if you type Peter Nola Plastering into Google, you might find the website, great. So as you say, you look at the website, is this, how does this look? Oh, it's good, it's bad, it's indifferent. Then you've got, look, there's all these websites, No Cowboys, there's all these feedback websites, there's all these blogs. So I think that we have to, as, as business people, be aware that, it, you know, if we're going to sell the business, you said um, do it while we're enthusiastic. It, I see it as a six-month, one-year, two-year project, and I think business owners should because if your business is worth, pick a figure, 500000 $200,000, you are investing that much time to get that equity, that cash out of your investment. And I think that you have to start then um, building your social media and your internet um, reputational collateral. So, for example, I, I talk to all of my uh, clients about getting testimonials, about getting referrals. You know, so the, when, when you go into Google and you type in Peter Nola plastering, there are 40 Google reviews that all say Peter Nola plastering was, was bloody fantastic. You know, and then when if someone's looking to buy in your business, they type that in, they go, whoa. So that they're my thoughts. Does that make does that ring true to you? Does that make sense to yourself? Yeah, of course it does. Um, you know, people. Human nature is a strange beast, and if if I read somewhere that someone independently has said Kerry Wood knows what he's talking about, oh, I'm you won't find that anywhere, Peter. <laughs> Holy but, heck, man! Well, you never know. There's got to be somebody out there, but I'm more likely to believe that you know what you're talking about because some third party has said it than if you tell me because that's that that's what you do. So I. Yes, it, it all does. And I love that term, reputational. Um, what did you use it? Reputational credibility? Was that the... No, no, no. Here we go again. Concentrate, Peter. Sorry, Repu sorry. Reputational collateral. Reputational collateral. Okay. That, okay. You, I, can I... Have that, you can have that one because I'm definitely going to use future maintainable, maintainable earnings. earnings. <laughs> I've written that one down. I'm going I'm to quote that all day. Future maintainable <laughs> earnings. That, that's a goodie. Yeah, so you can have reputational collateral and I'll uh, have... Yeah. But uh, look... You know, and I don't get why people are so negative about social media um, in the older people. I mean, they do brochures, um, you know, they do sign writing vans, they do all those sort of things, which is the same sort of stuff, but just from 30 years ago. So mm. uh, all social media is modern version of that. So Peter, look, you know, there might be one, two, seven thousand people looking here to uh, to to sell their business. Would you would you be prepared to give someone fifteen minutes of your time to, to get on the train to prepare their business for uh, for sale? Do you, you know, would you be up for that? Sure, I will. I probably can go a bit better than that. I'm happy to talk to any of your business owners, uh, sit down with them, give them an appraisal of value uh, as to what the business is worth in the market 
today uh, and some suggestions on, on what they could do or what they might want to look at. Uh, and I'm equally happy to revisit them again in a year's time to sell it um, or to give them another update as to value and, um, and show them where they are. I mean, look, I, I talk to business owners a lot. I have some guys that, that call me in every sort of 18 months, two years and go, we've done all this. How has that affected the, the value of the business? And that's, that's all perfectly fine. That's part of the service and I'm happy to do it. So, I mean, Peter, other than walking around the hills trying to find a, a strange bald white guy with a rifle, how do they get hold of you, my friend? Um, so they can do it a number of ways. They can use the telephone, 021-507-313. They can go mad on social media. Uh, if they have a look on uh, YouTube, so just www.youtube.com forward slash Peter Nola, uh, they'll find me. Um, they can look at the ABC Business website but, um, and, uh, and find me on there. So plenty of places they can find me. Or LinkedIn, just search my name on LinkedIn. I'll come up. All right. This thank hey Peter, thanks so much. I know how busy you are in your time and um and thank you very much for sharing all your expertise and um and uh I really will take out of it about you know, we just need to prepare. Selling a business today deciding today to sell your business tomorrow is a, is, is is just not the thing to do. We need to make the decision today to sell it in a period of time, get all the process and all that behind us and, and that's great. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, those that are listening, those that are still listening, this is Kerry Wood from the, the uh, Auckland Centre of Business Excellence, The Business Maestro. We've been having 30 minutes with New Zealand, maybe Australasia's finest business broker, Peter Nola from ABC. Now listen, think about what he said. You want to Get out of your asset, your biggest asset, your business, the most cash. Let's let's be brutal about it. You want cash to do this. There's only three rules. Here are the rules. Preparation, preparation, preparation. Do the preparation. Piles of processes, piles of preparation will equal piles of cash. So that's it for today. Um, it's going to be great. Next week, we've got a, another great podcast. So again, Peter, thanks so much um, uh, for joining us this week. And we look forward to seeing you uh, in the hills in the, in the next few days. Thank you very much to Peter Nolan from ABC Business Brokers. Thanks, Gary. Cheers. See you later. If you took something away from this podcast, or if you know someone that is on their business journey who will find this really valuable, be sure to share this wealth of knowledge with them. And don't forget to subscribe however you're listening to this. And if you're a business owner who needs a bit of oomph, join the Business Ensemble on Facebook and continue today's conversation.